Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Castelli Podcast, provided to you by the people behind the brand and the iconic product innovations. Earlier this year, I had the pleasure of speaking with South African professional cyclist Ashley Molman Pasio after she joined the Castelli Equipped AG insurance team for a chat about her cycling career, how Swift can help improve cycling performance, smashing the local Roca Corpa Strava segment, Ashley's community building, the Roca Corpa cycling business, and more. Throughout her impressive pro career, Ashley has been victorious in many races and crowned the first ever women's esports world cycling champion and has participated in prestigious events such as the Olympics, Commonwealth Games, Grand Tours and has been crowned South African national champion multiple times. The interview was recorded during the team training camp in Calbe in Spain in January and can also be watched on a YouTube channel. So sit back. Relax and kick your feet up as we embark on a thrilling and insightful conversation with Ashley Moman Pasio. <laughs> well, Ashley, first of all, thank you so much for taking the time to have a chat with me. Let's dive right in, considering the limited time we have for this interview. Could you take a moment and tell us a little bit about your history in cycling and how it led you here? Well, I mean, I got into cycling actually much later in life. So, you know, I learned to ride a bike as a young kid and I used to play on the streets with friends uh, riding my bike. Um, but growing up, I, n- I never imagined um, that I'd be a pro cyclist. I um, mean, so it was only at university that I actually discovered um cycling you know as a sport or endurance sports and that was through um, my husband we met at university we were both studying engineering he was a pro triathlete at the time and he introduced me to well first triathlon because that's what he was doing so I just followed in his footsteps and and had to go triathlon but um, to be honest I very quickly realized that although I can swim I'm not a fast swimmer um, so that was a big disadvantage and then also you know moved a little bit to um, duathlon and running half marathons and combining that with riding but I kept getting running injuries and so eventually you know it just sort of I was forced to focus mainly on cycling and it very quickly we realized both um, my husband and myself that I had really a talent for cycling and I suppose it came a lot to do with the fact that I have a good, a really good power to weight. So I'm small um, and petite, which was often the disadvantage growing up at school. Like I wasn't strong enough or big enough. But with cycling, it was the perfect match. You know, small, petite, but had a lot of power. So yeah, at university, while I was studying um, engineering, actually process engineering, I started to explore um, training more. You know, with my husband Carl, with the university cycling club. I then started off by taking part in the university um, championships and winning that and then started uh, racing local league races um, and ended up you know becoming really good and winning a lot of those races and that's when I, I took it to the next level of racing nationally in South Africa and when I got to my final year of studies um, I had the opportunity to come over to France to race the Tour of Ardèche. When I came over to France to race here I immediately fell in love with pro cycling in Europe you know the climbs were that much bigger the roads are are more technical it it was more of a challenge you know and suited me better as a rider so as soon as I finished my studies um, my husband and I made the move to Europe to pursue professional cycling. When you made the transition to Europe what was the first thing you did there? Well actually interestingly enough um, my husband has Italian heritage 
Um, so from you know many many years ago, it was his great grandfather that um, came to South Africa during the war period and settled in South Africa. He had this idea growing up all along, you know that he could have an Italian passport and um, yeah, he, he really pursued it very hard to, to get the Italian passport and, and managed to do that. He wanted to explore his heritage and to be in Italy. So we first um, based ourselves in, um, yeah, in just outside of Varese, so Lago Maggiore, Northern Italy, um, close to Milan. Um, it was really beautiful. I mean, it's a really beautiful part of Italy. The culture, the Italian culture is really special. We both really loved it. And of course he could really resonate with it. You know, it was in his blood. Um, but I think finally we just started to to realize that we weren't necessarily living a very healthy lifestyle. You know, we, you know, to become integrated into the community in Italy, it's a little bit more challenging, especially if you don't speak the language. You know, it felt like we were um, living like an extended holiday. I um, mean, it wasn't necessarily the healthiest uh, life. We didn't have good life balance. You know, we go riding in the most beautiful scenery and then come home, you know, and just sit in our apartment and not really know what to do. Um, and so that's when we just started to look a little bit, you know, further and elsewhere to try and find somewhere where we could have a slightly better life balance. Um, and so after two years in Italy, we moved to um, Girona, Spain. Well, Girona the province for us, not Girona town. I don't live in uh, Girona town itself. I live just outside um, in a town called Banyoles. Which is also where you run your family business, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, so also, you know, through um, the cycling career, um, it became clear that um, it was a good career choice for me. I made really big steps quite fast um, in cycling. But my husband, Carl, you know, he started to realize that pro sport wasn't for him. So, you know, we just started to think about, you know, what does the future look like for us? You know, um, you know, when it comes to an end for me, you know, what is the future for us and how can we try to benefit from all the contacts and experience that we have and all the time we've spent in cycling? How can we create a future for ourselves? So, yeah, I mean, we'd ride around the beautiful roads of Girona and admire these beautiful stone villas. And uh, we started to, you know, think about, wow, you know, it would be really amazing to own one of those and to create a cycling tourism business. And in that way, we could really share our passion for cycling. Oh, yeah. I've also seen and heard a lot of positive feedback from friends, industry partners and cycling fans who visited you at the Rukakova Cycling and loved the authentic atmosphere and accommodation within the ancient stone walls of your beautiful 17th century farmhouse, which you guys renovated. But do you also find the time to relax, recover and unwind when you're at home, considering your commitments and racing as a professional cyclist? Yeah, it was kind of interesting because um, I've never really been a, a traditional pro cyclist. And in the first years of my career, um, a lot of people tried to convince me that I needed to change, you know, that I needed to learn to focus only on cycling, you know, and eat, sleep, dream cycling. Um, but finally, actually, um, when I joined the Cervelo Bigler team in, in 2015, finally I found someone who really understood me, actually in Thomas Campana. And he, he really started to like engage with me and encourage me to talk about my ideas and thoughts. And, and so that's when I started to realize that to get the best out of me as an athlete, I need to, I need to have something else, you know, that's, that's helping me occupy my mind. I don't know, it's, it's a different um, kind of motivation that I get. I get a motivation from feeling like I'm playing a role in creating change or, you know, it's not just about riding my bike and, and selfishly going after results. It's about results also helping me to, 
you know, have a, have a bit bigger impact on the people around me or the industry as a whole. The name Rooker Corba Cycling, is that because that the climb is just outside your doorstep or are there other reasons for naming the business Rooker Corba? Well, it's actually quite interesting because um, Rooker Corba has been a big part of my life, really. Um, from, so we moved to, um, to the area in 2012. Um, and you know, being a climber, I generally like to find um, somewhere where I can do my intervals. I, I, you know, some people might think it's a bit boring, but I quite like um, having, you know, the comfort in knowing that you're doing your intervals somewhere where you can actually also see progress. So it's the same sort of, it's kind of a controlled environment, you know. And so it's not only what your power meter is telling you, but you're also seeing progress at different points on the road that you, you you're getting to at different times of the season. So. From the time that we moved uh, to Banyoles in Girona, um, I immediately gravitated to Rocacorba as my climb, you know, uh, where I would do my intervals. And so, yeah, I mean, I often spend at least two of the days in a week doing not necessarily the entire mountain, but using it um, for my intervals. It was always a challenge for me, Rocacorba. It's, it's helped me to kind of um, evolve as a cyclist because it's been a way of measuring my progress, but also a way of challenging me, a way of achieving uh, certain things in terms of being the queen of the mountain. I've been the queen of the mountain since 2013. And so when we um, came across the property um, that we where we've started our business, it just, it was actually almost crazy coincidence that it happened to be literally at the bottom of the climb. Very quickly after we um, had acquired the property and we were starting to plan the business, I just had this crazy thought in my mind, well, why don't we call it Rockacorba Cycling? And I actually, at that time, I thought, oh, this is crazy. For sure, it's not going to be possible. You know, someone's using the name for something else. And it just, it just so happened that we managed to, you know, get all the domains we needed to, the Instagram's account uh, for Rockacorba Cycling. And so it was quite an easy decision. Yeah, no, it's, it's true. I was just checking here on Strava while you were talking and you placed yourself in the top 20 in the overall standing on the Rockacorba Strava segment ahead of many professional male cyclists. Yeah, so it's actually a funny story because I was queen of the mountain, I think, you know, like I said, from 2013, but it's not that every year I went back to, to set my new fastest time. Um, but of course, when we started the business, Rock Corpus Cycling, it started to become a little bit more relevant, you know, being queen of the mountain, of course. Um, and then during the COVID pandemic time, um, there was a really hard lockdown in Spain. And so I really embraced indoor cycling and I took to Zwift and I, um, you know, I saw a lot of improvement actually in my cycling during this COVID pandemic time. So the very first day that we were allowed to uh, ride outdoors again, I just had a crazy idea that I'm going to go for um, for the Queen of the Mountains to see if I could improve my time and how close I could get to to 30 minutes. And so I went literally the first ride outdoors after six weeks. I went up Rockacorba to try and set the record. And that attempt, I got I think it was 32 minutes. Um, which was already quite a big um, improvement from the previous QOM I had set, which I think was 34, almost 35 minutes. So I also recognized, well, you know, I think I could go faster because obviously from training a lot on indoors, I'd, I was almost more accustomed to riding in my saddle. You know, I wasn't necessarily the most efficient climb um, because all the training had been done indoors. So. Um, it was in 2021, actually, after the Tokyo Olympic Games, I knew I was in really good form. And so I thought, okay, I'm going to give another shot at Rockacorba and I want to try and break 30 minutes. And um, yeah, it was a really big effort. Um, and I was totally empty at the top, 
but um, yeah, I broke the 30 minute mark and that was quite a big achievement and yeah. After spending 13 seasons in the women's pro peloton and according to pro cycling stats, you achieved some incredible 47 victories. Early 2022, you announced your retirement, which is something I completely understand the reasons behind your decision. Despite being young, it's natural to have other goals and plans for your life. But what led you to change your mind and decide to sign with AG Insurance? So it was actually quite interesting how it all came about. Uh, you know, I had definitely in mind that I was going to retire at the end of this year. Um, but I was kind of hadn't planned to make it public <laughs> um, in the media, but it just so happened that team presentation with SD Works that the question was asked and yeah, I, I wasn't going to lie. So, you know, I put it out there and suddenly it became very official, you know, already in February um, of the year, it, it became super official that Ashley will be retiring at the end of this year. And yeah, I mean, I was convinced um, that that was the case. And I think the big reason for me was that firstly, I wanted to be um, more involved in, in the business side um, of Rock Corbis Cycling and even growing it and I, you know, I've launched a, a virtual cycling community of, on Zwift called Rock Corba Collective, you know, so I wanted to be more in, involved in the business side of things. And, um, but then you know, during the course of the year, I, I started to see that my level of performance was still increasing. Um, so this year I achieved you know, my best level ever um, and, I, and I, there's still signs of, of that improving. So I started to already, yeah, it was about in May time really that um, yeah, the option uh, to, to sign with AG Insurance and all the plans that Natasha had for the team that, you know, it became a reality that they were interested in me. Um, and I have to be honest, it actually didn't take me long to change my mind. Um, um, I really like to be part of projects that are, are more meaningful than, you know, just about winning bike races. And that's something that definitely um, was very clear to me with Natasha from the very, very beginning is that, yes, you know, this is a, a team that has the goal to, to win races and to be a high performing team. But more than that, it's about, you know, creating an environment where um, young women can grow and can improve and can reach their full potential. So Natasha's project um, just, you know, it, it resonated with me. It ticked all the boxes in terms of, you know, my vision for women's cycling, in terms of, you know, what motivates me as an athlete. Um, and yeah, it also, you know, women's cycling is on the app now. We have the Tour de France Femme, um, where, you know, I have some unfinished business. So, um, so then, you know, knowing that I, I have another year that I've signed with, um, with AG Insurance Next Generation was really reassuring because it means that I have another opportunity next year. Do you think the COVID pandemic was a turning point for women's cycling? Yeah, the COVID pandemic was definitely a turning point for, for women's cycling and interestingly so because when it first happened, um, a lot of people had in mind that uh, it, that women would, women's cycling would take a couple of steps back or that it might um, affect women's cycling negatively um, because, you know, the mindset was that with competition you know, ceasing because of the COVID pandemic that the focus would be mostly on men cycling to recover and to come back and that women cycling would be an afterthought. But actually it was the contrary and this was very much to do with virtual cycling. Um, and so obviously these virtual platforms and especially Zwift came into the spotlight. And uh, one of the things that, you know, I respect hugely um, about Zwift is that they've always prior prioritized equality. So from the very onset, when they started to do competitions during this COVID period for 
road cycling so that we could have some form of competition from the onset they they made it equal so anything they did for the men they did absolutely equal for the women then the real turning point came with the virtual Tour de France. Um, during the COVID time, of course, the Tour de France couldn't happen in its normal slot um, in July. And so, you know, the way I see it, it happened is that the ASO obviously went to, to Zwift uh, to try and do something on, on the platform uh, for the Tour de France. And yeah, I'm pretty certain that Zwift said, okay, we'll do it, but it has to be equal for the woman. And so it, to me, it was actually quite crazy that, you know, I'd, I'd been part of this fight, you know, for a Tour de France for women, because we've all known it's important to have a Tour de France, the biggest bike race in the world for women, for us to take that next step. The impact of that was huge. So in terms of my experience of it is, for example, I won the Queen stage of, of the virtual Tour de France. And um, the next day I, I rode into Girona because now okay, it was open and we were able to ride outdoors. So I rode into Girona, I stopped at a coffee shop and immediately my husband said to me, do you notice that more people are, are looking at you? You know, they're turning around and looking at you. And, and when he said, I was like, yeah, actually, maybe you have a point. They're kind of pointing. So because of the visibility through the Tour de France, which is the biggest bike race in the world, suddenly I, I was recognizable, you know, to more people in the public eye. And this was something I'd never really experienced. Like, yes, you have fans in women's cycling, but they, they were more avid fans. Like they really had to sort out to watch women's cycling. Um, but it just immediately showed what a big difference it made to be in the spotlight on such a big platform. Did you start using Swift for the first time during the pandemic or did you already have a membership before that? So I didn't actually have a, an active membership before. So what happened really is that Zwift actually came to Rock Corba Cycling um, in December of 2018 uh, to use us as the facility for a training camp. So a real life training camp that they did. So and that was my first real exposure to Zwift as a platform. And it was it was a super fun camp. Um, it was really great to watch the people riding, suffering indoors and then going out um, in the afternoons to kind of work on, on more like their skills outdoors and to see how the two can complement one another. And it was fun being part of it. And when Zwift left, they left a really nice setup, you know. But I have to be honest, after they left, I think I used it once. Um, and that was because it was a really rainy day. And in that moment, I can't say that, yeah, it was okay, it was fun, but still the same frustration for me with, with indoor training, which was, the big reason why I didn't enjoy doing it is because I'm a bit of a perfectionist when it comes to training, especially with my engineering background and analytical background. I'm really into the numbers. And so if I do um, an interval session, I really like to, to get good numbers and I'm always pushing to even improve my numbers. So the big reason why I didn't enjoy indoor training is because it was really difficult to get those numbers. Um, and that is the case, of course, if you're only doing it every now and then when the weather is bad. And then when the COVID pandemic hit, of course, I had this great Swift setup. I had some experience with the platform, so I knew what it was about. And I had a choice. I either sit on the couch and feel sorry for myself, or I do my best to embrace the platform and to make the most out of it. Um, and so I did the latter. And then, you know, the, the training part of it and doing intervals started to, you know, I had to give it a go and try. Um, at first, you know, I spoke to my coach about it and I said, you know, this is the reason why I hate it is because I can't get the same numbers. And so he said, well, okay, let's just drop your threshold power a little bit to make, you know, the training sessions a bit more achievable so that you feel that you're executing them right. And so that's how we started. 
And at first, again, it was really hard and the muscle doms the next day were really big, you know. Um, but as I kept going day in, day out, you know, week in, week out, and then I think after three weeks, I took a bit of a um, easy week to recover. And then I really saw the improvement. So I, I started to see that when I was doing um, intervals on Swift, I was able to get the same numbers I was getting outdoors. It's a different kind of workout. It's a more resistance workout because you have the, the indoor trainer, which is creating this unnatural resistance, but it's making me stronger because essentially I'm building strength by working against this resistance. Yeah, I mean, post COVID pandemic, I'm still very much um, a, a Zwift convert. I do a lot of social rides on Zwift in terms of, you know, helping to grow female participation, a lot of social rides in terms of, you know, spreading the word of Rockacorba cycling. But then also I do at least one intensity workout um, a week because I see the benefits of training on Zwift to make me stronger outdoors. And I think that's also one of the reasons why I had my best year this year is because I use Zwift as a training tool. Will you take part in the weekly Castelli Swift ride series this fall and during the off season? Yeah, I mean, Swift is a great opportunity to to connect with people from all around the world because, you know, You know, usually to ride with someone, you have to be in the same place at the same time, but there are absolutely no borders or boundaries on Zwift. You know, you can be in the comfort of your own home and riding with people in Brazil, in Australia, in South Africa. It's really incredible how you can connect with people. And I, I love that about the platform. After 13 years in Europe, racing in the pro peloton, what does dreaming mean to you as a professional cyclist? Well, I think we never stop dreaming, really. I mean... Yeah, pro cycling, it's a really tough sport and, you know, we have these these great goals and I think part of achieving those goals is the dreaming aspect of it. It's that kind of uh, visualization, which is almost in a way dreaming. So, um, yeah, I mean, for sure, for me, I, I dream of winning the yellow jersey. You know, I feel I came really close uh, last year and then, yeah, circumstance um, stopped me from achieving it so that dream is still very much alive in in my mind and yeah it really is true you know when you have a big goal like that it does occupy your mind quite a lot and even sometimes really in reality your dreams you know you at night time you're dreaming about you know winning the yellow jersey um, and then sometimes on the bike when you're doing the intervals you're dreaming or visualizing you know, attacking up the climb and breaking away solo, you know, and that's what motivates you in that session. So it's a very big part of our lives, kind of in a sort of more like a realistic term, as I say, visualization, but actually that's a dreaming. So yeah, I mean, the dreams is what motivates us to keep pushing and keep training as hard as we possibly can to realize them. Nice, 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 well said. <laughs> I guess it's difficult for you to talk about Castelli clothing right now that you only just got your 2023 team kit. Of course, you have experienced racing in Castelli gear during your two years with the Bikla team. But again, so much has improved when it comes to performance that perhaps it's better if we dive into the clothing topic later this season. Well, the one thing that everyone knows a lot about is the Gabba, that's for sure. Like, it is crazy how that... I want a Gabba, you know, like, I remember Thomas, I mean, he used to have the non-branded Gabbas because when we went with Castelli, because obviously he, he could organize it, but yeah. yeah, that is the one product from Castelli that everyone knows. <laughs> so that's the one you're looking forward to? Yeah, of course, but yeah, I'm, I'm certain that, as you say, there's some developments in, 
in the products as well. Like I know Castelli is a brand that's always pushing to improve. And yeah, yesterday I put the kit on for the first time in a couple of years and I immediately felt, wow, okay, it's good to be back in Castelli. You feel straight away, like it just fits so well and feels super fast, so yeah. That's good to hear, wow, that's fantastic. I like that ending, fantastic. Cool. <laughs> Thank you.